From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this special Pray Vote Stand edition of Washington Watch. We're broadcasting live from the Omnishoram Hotel in Washington, D.C., the site of this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. But best of all, we have a live in-person audience. They are alive. It's been a great day so far, and there's a lot more to go. The Pray Vote Stand Summit is a gathering of sage cons. What's a sage con? Well... Tell you what, you can find out. Text SAGECON, S-A-G-E-C-O-N, to 67742. That's SAGECON to 67742. I might give you a hint a little bit later. But coming up this morning, we had a powerful and informative panel discussion with members of the House Freedom Caucus. When you have a shutdown, which are almost as inevitably going to be because the Senate and the White House has no interest in standing up and defending you all and your interest in this country's interest, they're only interested in advancing radical leftist ideology, we have to hold the line. That was Texas Congressman Chip Roy, a member of the panel this morning. The panel discussion was actually led by a former member of the House Freedom Caucus and now president of FRC Action, Jody Heiss. He'll join me later with an overview of the House Freedom Caucus panel, and we'll discuss what's happened thus far at the Prevote Stand Summit. And marking the first anniversary of Masa Amini, a, an Iranian woman who died in police custody after allegedly violating the Islamic Republic's strict dress code for women, the U.S. and three other countries announced sanctions on Iranian officials today. Today, we're announcing new sanctions against 29 other individuals and entities in connection with the Iranian regime's human rights abuses. The United States will continue to support Iranians and all people who are defending their human rights and fundamental freedoms. That was Secretary of State Antony Blinken. But, but. This announcement comes the same week that the Biden administration announced that it was releasing $6 billion to the regime. Doesn't that make America look a little schizophrenic? We're going to be joined by South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. We'll also discuss, discuss the question, in this post-Roe America, is there still a federal role in protecting the unborn? You'll want to miss that conversation. And in case you missed it, Vice President Harris kicked off her national Fight for Our Freedoms College Tour. There's an attack right now on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes. Where supposed so-called extreme leaders are suggesting it's a bad thing to care about and pay attention to inequities. To say DEI is a bad thing. DEI is a bad thing. Uh, must have been a typo on her banner. I think it should have said it should have read attack on our freedoms. So here's a question for you. Would you rather live in Kamala Harris's world or that of maybe, say, Governor, Governor Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt? And that's what we want to teach our young people is there's no such thing as as equal outcomes, but there is equal opportunities for every single kid in America and especially in Oklahoma. That's the American dream is that you get out of life what you put into it, your hard work, and, and, uh, but it starts with education, getting those kids at the starting line. So you can have the American dream on the right, or you can have the American nightmare on the left. Ryan Walters, the Oklahoma State School Superintendent, spoke this afternoon here at the summit, and he'll join me later on this edition of Washington Watch. And rounding out this Pray Vote Stand edition of Washington Watch is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who said the underlying driver of the decline of our American economy, military and culture, is the nation's spiritual decline. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Our word for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and, have, and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, Paul, that's the love chapter Paul wrote. But what is the definition of love? Paul's discussion here of love is love defined by God, the Greek word apageo. And it reads like this, for God so loved the world, the apageo, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love in the New Testament is not a feeling 
emotion, or even affirmation. It's a decision based on truth. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, as I mentioned earlier today, four countries, including the United States, announced additional sanctions on Iran to mark the one-year anniversary of the Iranian woman who died in police custody after officials claimed she violated the Islamic Republic's dress code for women. Countries partnering with the United States and the sanctions are Australia, Canada, and the United Kingdom. Now, these sanctions come amidst the up, uh, upcoming prisoner swap between the United States and Iran, which included the Biden administration's agreement to release $6 billion to the world's most dangerous state sponsor of terrorism. Now, despite direct defiance from the Iranian president, Raisi, as to how he will spend this $6 billion in cash, the White House continues to double down in their defense of the deal. Joining me now to discuss this is the senator from the state of South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he's the ranking member, and the Senate Appropriations Committee. Senator Graham, welcome back to Thank Washington. Watch. Glad to see you. Glad to be here. I'm, my goal is to be taller than the mic one day. I don't know. <laughs> I'll never get there. <laughs> so anyway, Keep I hope you can hear it. It's a big mic. You may not see me, but I hope you can hear me. It's a big mic. <laughs> so let, let's talk about this. You've been outspoken uh, uh, about this fact that yeah. th- this is am, am I. Am I incorrect this in saying as, this is dis, that we're looking schizophrenic on the national stage? No, we're dumb the world as dirt. Stage. We're dumb as dirt on the world stage. I don't know how you say that in Latin, but to me, it's dumb as dirt <laughs> to give six billion dollars to religious Nazis who are on the terrorist state sponsor of terrorist list uh, to turn over five Americans. Don't you think that incentivizes more Americans to be kidnapped? What are they going to do with the money? Build schools? No, they're going to put it in the war, war machine. The first thing you got to understand in life is who are you dealing with? The people we just gave money to, if they could, will kill everybody in Israel. They're not trying to build a nuclear power plant. They're trying to build a nuclear bomb to kill the Israelis and come after us. That's the last group of people I would give $6 billion to. This is dumb as dirt and dangerous. When I'm looking to discuss foreign policy issues in the Senate, I go to you because I think you're a foreign policy expert. Because I'm not it, as dumb as dirt. Well, yeah. You're not as dumb as dirt. <laughs> uh, you're, actually, you're, you're quite insightful when it comes to the foreign policy issues. And, you know, the, the, the Biden administration defending this saying, oh, it's going to be used for humanitarian purposes. How can we trust Iran to not use this money or supplant money, just like Planned Parenthood, where Planned Parenthood in Title X funding can do in one room, they can do family planning in the next, they can do abortions, and their overhead's covered by government money. Well, all you can count on is that the Iranian regime will enact their plan for the world. What do they want? They want to purify Islam in their own image. They want to destroy the one and only Jewish state. And they want to come after us. That's not me saying that. That's them. When you decide what to say to the world, the phrase death to Israel and death to America is constantly said from this regime. I think they mean it. So to give $6 billion to a terrorist state who's kidnapped Americans incentivizes more kidnapping, and the money will be used to build up a war machine that's dismantling the Mideast, Yemen, Syria, this is the most provocative regime since Hitler, and this is a huge mistake, and all the Arabs who are looking to America to lead now are in doubt. Donald Trump put Iran in a box, and that made the Arab world believe that we were a reliable partner. Without good judgment and clarity, the world becomes a dangerous place. This is bad judgment and sends a mixed message. I, I want to move on, but, but one final question on that front. If this were one bad decision, yes. then, you know, we might say, okay. Yeah. But this is not the only bad foreign policy decision this administration has made. No, getting out of Afghanistan was a disaster of all disasters. Look what's happened. You have a broken border, and uh, the Taliban are back in charge. It's just a matter of time. The terrorist group comes through our border and kills a bunch of us. They're trying to empower the terrorist state of Iran rather than isolate it. Uh, The Arabs were coming on board to recognize Israel because they trusted the United States. Now there's doubt in the Arab world about this administration. So we have a chance to get Saudi Arabia to recognize Israel, but this deal with Iran is putting doubt in everybody's mind. So you need clarity. 
you need to stand on principle, and the principle of this uh, administration is hard to understand if you live in the Mideast. Senator Lindsey Graham, I want to move to a domestic policy issue, yeah. one you've been very clear on. In, in the, uh, the, the wake of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, right. in the midterm election, uh, the, there was <coughs> many that blamed the poor showing for Republicans based on that yeah. issue. But it wasn't the issue. It was the way Republicans dealt with the issue. They didn't talk about the issue. They ran from an issue that for nearly four decades they had championed. Well, uh, let's put it this way. The answer to what do you think about abortion is not to build a wall. Right. If, if you don't want to talk about the unborn, maybe you shouldn't be in this business. It's okay to disagree about abortion. What's not okay is not to have an answer. And here's my answer. Uh, I believe that this is a state issue up to a point. The, Roe, the Dobbs decision overturned Roe v. Wade, which was a great moment in constitutional history. Now states have the ability to decide, based on their own judgment, uh, the rights of the unborn. And what Lindsey Graham is saying, I agree with that up to a point. And here's what I'm saying to America. At 15 weeks, no matter where you're conceived, whether it's California, South Carolina, or New York, you feel pain as a child. You can suck your thumb. And to dismember that child at 15 weeks is barbaric. It puts us out of line with the civilized world. And China and North Korea allow abortion on demand up to the moment of birth. I am saying to my Republican colleagues, let's fight for the rights of the unborn in Washington, D.C. by saying at 15 weeks we will draw a line and stop abortion because it's barbaric. 47 of 50 European nations limit abortion between 12 and 15 weeks. Surely we can be as bold as the French. They're at 14 weeks. But you're not saying the states can do even you more. You can be more restrictive. But the question for the United States is, do you want to be a country that would allow a baby to be dismembered seven, eight, nine months? Do you? I don't. Democrats will not give you an answer when they will provide limitations. They say we want Roe v. Wade. That's all we want. Well, tell me, when is viability? Pick a week, Kamala Harris. You're talking in circles. To those running for president and our party, I will be introducing a bill that is clear, it will be a national minimum standard. States can do more. There will be exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. But we're going to say at 15 weeks, we should limit abortion on demand. We should stop it. And if you're not for that, if you cannot sign a bill protecting a baby who is well-developed, can suck their thumb, and feel pain, you're in the wrong business. And, Senator, you and I have talked about this. You know, I'm pro-life from the moment of conception, but I understand how we pass policies by arriving at consensus. Right. And there is consensus on this bill. There is consensus where we have about 65% of Americans agree with this position. Tony, why are we having this debate? We've been the party uh, of the unborn since I've been around. We're talking about putting America in line with the civilized world. Right. We're talking about rejecting the idea that you can abort a baby in California up to the moment of birth. And that's what their law is. And Democrats in the United States Senate voted on a bill that will allow abortion on demand up to the moment of birth. That is an idea that needs to be challenged. Senator, we're out of time, but you and I are going to have this conversation Stay a lot tuned. more. We've got a uh, town hall meeting for life coming up in South Carolina on October 22nd. Yes, we'll sir. have more details about that. Senator Graham, always great to Thank see you. you. Thank you. God bless. for joining us. All right, folks, don't go away. On the other side of the break, the president of FRC Action, Jody Heiss, joins me. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to a special Prevote Stand edition of Washington Watch. We're broadcasting from the Omni Shoreham Hotel here in D.C. before a live audience, a live studio audience. And I tell you what, they're excited, and it's because we've had a great day here. We're halfway through September now with government funding set to expire at the end of the month. Unless a budget agreement is reached as conservatives in Congress look to rein in the Biden administration's reckless spending. Well, next week, Republicans on the House Budget Committee will meet to consider a long-term blueprint for the nation's budget, which many expect to offer a path to reduce our $33 trillion national debt. That's $33 trillion with a T. Well, earlier today, several members from the House Freedom Caucus participated in a panel here at the Prebuild Stand Summit to discuss how they're working to hold the line in the budget negotiations. We are now projected to have a $2 trillion deficit, $2 trillion, when we are not in any hot war or, frankly, any military conflict around the globe. And at the same time, the pandemic has long been over. So if you're running $2 trillion deficit, Fitz ratings just downgraded our debt, there have to be some substantive changes. That was Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. Joining me now to discuss this is FRC Senior Vice President uh, Jody Heiss and President of FRC Action, who led that panel with uh, members of the House Freedom Caucus. Jody, welcome back. Great to be with you always, Tom. Actually, you're the host on Friday, so I guess you should be welcoming (laughs) me. No, no. So uh, let's talk about that panel real quick. Um, The Freedom Caucus is committed to reining in this out-of-control government spending. Yeah, and this is something they've been on top of for a long, long time. But now is the opportunity, actually, to get it done. And I I believe there's a, a, a high likelihood that's going to happen. The uh, what's at stake is a potential government shutdown. And as you well know, the uh, majority is so thin right now, uh, the, the Freedom Caucus has the leverage to say we're going to rein in spending or else. You know, I, I was thinking about that this morning. There's been so many times that we've had we've had the, um, the summits. Now, before Prevote Stand, it was the Value Voters Summit. And, and I can't tell you the number of years that we had those summits where we were in the midst of a potential government shutdown. In fact, one time we did have a government shutdown. Uh, so, I mean, this is something that is reoccurring because government Congress is not doing the appropriations the way they should. That's right. And that was one of the things that was supposed to take place uh, under the leadership of Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, we're going to see, I mean, they're making some progress but uh, the, the, actually, the Freedom Caucus has said there's about five or six different things that they want 
in order to prevent a government shutdown. Uh, they're well aware they're probably not going to get all of those, so the line that's been drawn in the sand, it appears to me at least, is this whole issue of spending and getting it under control, at least to the uh, uh, pre-COVID levels. Which makes perfect sense because the COVID spending was supposed to be emergency spending. All right, uh, Jody, let's move on. Uh, give me your highlight from today, other than your panel and your moderation. Oh, of the come panel. on. Give me, give, me the, uh, give, me, give me the highlight. Your, the highlight today for you here at the summit. It's been so good. Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the summit has just been outstanding. You know, every speaker that comes on, every panel that comes on, you think it doesn't get any better than that. And then here comes the next one. I mean, we started off with Jonathan Kahn this morning, who absolutely knocked it out of the park. What, what do you think, Jonathan Kahn? What was, uh, was good? Yeah. yeah, and we couldn't have started in a better way than having him. And then it's just gone through. You know, we uh, ended up the morning with uh, uh, Riley Gaines. I've heard her story right. over and over and NCAA over. NCAA swimmer that's uh, taken on this whole issue of uh, men and women's sports. A courageous young woman. A- incredible w- woman. And, you know, Vice President Pence, I mean, it's, just, it's gone on and on. So it's really hard well, to draw a favor. What do you think of uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina? Always phenomenal. What do you think? Yeah. Huh? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> So, look, look it's, uh, it would be totally unfair to, to choose one over another. It's just been an outstanding summit. And, and here, pray, vote, stand. That's not just the name of the summit. That is actually what we're doing. We're praying, uh, but we are preparing to vote. We're doing education, information, and we're equipping people to go home to stand. And so th- there's just so much being offered here. And, of course, tomorrow afternoon, breakout sessions. And all of this is being streamed. Folks uh, that are familiar with Real Life Network, they can download that app or they can go to prayvotestand.org and uh, watch tonight. Uh, who's going to be here tonight, Jody? Oh, we've got a couple of little uh, little guests who are going to be with us, one of them, former President Trump. And you can already just feel the energy and the excitement in the air. It's going to be an incredible evening. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and we're going to have Governor Ron DeSantis, who's actually going to be joining me here just a moment on the uh, the program as well. And so you can watch that tonight. Go to prayvotestand.org, and you can be a part of that event. FRC Action, um, they're a major sponsor of this event. We've been talking on panels about education, about life. There's something for everyone. We all have our place on the wall. We all have a responsibility to do something. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, Tony, that's what we are as a country. We are a country, the entire governmental system of which does not work without involvement of the people. I mean, that's the way our government works. And uh, so that applies both to people stepping up to the plate to run for office, as well as those who are involved in uh, voting, praying, and helping individuals get elected. So, uh, yeah, this has been an incredible time of training and encouragement and hope uh, it all wrapped up together. And uh, I'm very confident that we're going to see some uh, benefits for, from this summit for a long time to come. We're almost out of time, Jody, but one of the areas that FRC Action has been focused on, I mentioned we, did, we had a panel on education, but equipping people to run for school boards. We've got elections coming up. We're moving into an election cycle. This is a time that people should be praying about whether or not they should step into this arena. It could be could be a school board race. It could be city council, state legislature. Many ways that people can make a difference. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the biggest battles that we're going to see in this upcoming election revolves around parental rights. And, again, no one cares for the uh, child like the parents do. And we are not in a relationship of government uh, having authority over parents or children. That is not a biblical position at all. And uh, so it's been an honor for um, FRC Action to be engaged in training many people to step up to the plate and run for school board. Well, Jody Heiss, we are so thrilled to have you here at FRC and FRC Action as the president of FRC Action. Thank you so much. It's my honor. All right. And folks, stick with us because that's actually what we're going to be talking about next when it comes to education. We're going to be talking to the superintendent of education from Oklahoma, where they're taking a strong stand on behalf of parents and what's happening in our kids. In fact, the superintendent, Ryan Walters, saying, you know what? Maybe we need prayer back in our schools. Maybe we need the Bible back in our schools. Hey, it's worked before. Maybe we got to try it again. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to this special Prevote Stand edition of Washington Watch as we are broadcasting live from the Omni Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C. before a live audience. An audience of SageCon, spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives. You can find out if you're a SageCon. You can take the survey. It's very quick, and you'll get the results almost uh, immediately. Text the word SAGECON, S-A-G-E-C-O-N, to 67742 and find out if you are a SAGECON. Well, earlier today at the Prevote Stand Summit, we featured an education panel titled Strategies for Saving America's Schools and School Children, which is really the focus. It's the children. It featured insights, insightful comments from education experts on combating the indoctrination the left continues to push on children and families, ignoring the role of parents. Well, joining me now, straight from his appearance at the Prevote Stand Summit, is someone who works daily in the state of Oklahoma to restore schools to his state, in his state, to what their mission should be, educating children, helping them learn. Joining me now to discuss this is the Oklahoma State Superintendent of Schools, Ryan Walters. Ryan, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for having me on. And, you know, we're fighting back against this left-wing indoctrination in Oklahoma. We see it from the teachers' union. We see it from the Biden administration. We see it from radicals in our own schools. And we are going to continue to ensure that parents' rights are protected and also that we're ensuring that we actually tell our kids about the Judeo-Christian values of this country and we're not going to allow them to force a state-sponsored atheism on our kids, which is what our schools are doing. Yeah, and, of course, Oklahoma, one of the reddest of uh, red states, I, I went to school, grew up in Oklahoma. The, um, it, I'm actually encouraged because you're not the first superintendent of education I've had. I've had a number, and this is something new, more and more conservatives running for superintendent positions. This is an elected position. You were elected when? Um, in Jan- in last November. It wasted no time creating controversy. I like it. Uh, <laughs> going right to work. So what prompted you to run for this office? You know, so my background is I was a history teacher from a small rural town in Oklahoma. I then now have four kids. And as a parent, you know, that really changes you. And you start to see, I heard so many frustrations as a teacher of what was going on in our schools. And then as a parent, as I began to campaign around the state, We continue to hear parents talking about, you know, what has happened to an education system that used to encourage us to play such a crucial role in our kids' lives, and now we're being boxed out. We're hearing about these graphic, pornographic materials in our schools. We have books like Gender, Queer, and Flamer being pushed upon our kids. 
with images so graphic, I asked the news media to show them, say, let your viewers decide if this is appropriate. And of course, they tell me, well, we can't show that. There might be kids watching. I literally had a reporter say that. I go, well, that's kind of the point here, isn't it? So we've got groups of folks that are pushing those books, Gender, Queer, and Flamer, while at the same time telling us, you know, we don't want kids reading the Constitution. We don't want kids having the Bible in schools. That just shows you the absurdity of their position and how far we've come. Parents want common sense back in our schools, and they want us to take this fight on. You know, people talk about, the, the, well, there's all this conflict. Well, the reason is that this is the first time we're in an era when people are actually standing up to the left and saying, no, we're just not doing it anymore. You've pushed us far enough. And, I mean, look, you, you said we should have the Bible back in the schools as a, as a curriculum course. We should have, you know, we need to bring God back into the classroom. You're being... Threats of being sued. I mean, you've like, this is, tell us about what all this stuff is happening. Right. I've been sued a few times. You know, that, that's a controversial position now. And you're exactly right. I love how you said that, Tony. They don't want conflict because they just want us to roll over and to continue to allow them to push state-sponsored atheism. And that's what it is. If you don't talk to our kids about the line from the Declaration, you're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. When you read the founders, it's clear they believed our Judeo-Christian values would make us an exceptional country. So you've got, we have to respond to that, and we've got to play offense, too. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Hey, yeah. everybody, we are going to talk about this in schools. We are going to allow for prayer in schools because we want God back in our schools. Now, does the attorney general in the state of Oklahoma defend your positions if you get sued, or how does that work in Oklahoma? So, so right now it's, you know, I have an attorney at the agency. Uh, and, again, you've seen this with President Trump as well. What they do is when we crush the left in an election right. and we're crushing them with our school choice policy, policies and all these other initiatives, they try to invalidate it. You know, they, right. they go and well, we're going to sue you and we're going to tie you up in court and we're going to sue you personally. And that's what we continue to see them doing. But, you know, we're never going to back down to radicals. We're going to continue to stand with parents. We're going to continue to stand up for people's religious liberties. And we're absolutely not going to allow these lawsuits or any kind of left-wing activism to slow us down. And Ryan, you've got the, the governor that is working with you too. Oh, hey, it helps when you have a great governor. And we have a fantastic governor and Governor Kevin Stitt who is right there. Um, he believes in protecting religious liberties in the state. He has been a, a tremendous conservative governor that has been there with us every step of the way. So absolutely, when you've got a governor like that, it makes a huge difference. So very quickly, we're all, we've got about 30 seconds left. What are some of the other ideas? Obviously, you've been firing these rapid fire ideas coming in in your first year. What are some of the other things on the drawing board? Absolutely. You have to take on the teachers unions. I mean, the reality is, is it is the teachers unions who have controlled so much of what's going on in our schools. So we're not going to allow them to deduct money from teachers paychecks. They continue yeah. to funnel teachers paycheck money into political campaigns against Republicans, against conservatives. Well, we're not going to allow it anymore. We're going to put parents in charge of their kids' education. We're going to continue to fight back against. I mean, it is truly demonic when you see the, the way that the spiritual war is being waged on our kids. We will continue to protect parent rights and we're going to continue to move and create more of a school choice environment than any other state in the country. Oklahoma is going to lead on this. We are leading. We're going to continue to put parents in charge of their kids' education. And you're going to create a safe space for all the liberals that hate what you're doing. It's called California. I was right? about to say, it's yeah, another okay. state. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Superintendent Walters, great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Appreciate you taking All right. Hey. Oklahoma's a great state, but you know what? We need to make every state red. How about that? All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about another red state where great policies are going forward, and we're joined by the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, joins us next. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. 
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Celebrating 40 years with Dr. James Dobson. And I just want to congratulate you on everything that's said and done there. I believe in the Family Research Council and the work that it's doing. There aren't very many left that are that true blue, that... Uh, conform with biblical truth. Uh, But this organization has done that, and I congratulate you for it. Welcome back to this Pray Vote Stand edition of Washington Watch. We're broadcasting live from the Omni Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C., and we have a live audience. They're still with us. And, uh, and by the way, tomorrow night we'll be having a 40th anniversary gala here at the Omni Shoreham, and you'll be hearing more from Dr. Dobson and some of the others that were a part of the founding of the Family Research Council 40 years ago. And you can actually participate in that. You can come, be a part of it, or you can join us online. You can go to prayvotestand.org, and there's a couple different ways that you can participate and watch those events tomorrow and tomorrow night. The summit will continue tonight. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we'll be having uh, uh, pr- former President Donald Trump will be speaking. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy will be speaking. Oz Guinness will be speaking. We'll also be hearing from the uh, governor of Florida, who was supposed to join me here on the on the set, but apparently is caught in D.C. traffic and is uh, a little bit late. So I don't know if he's going to make it uh, for the program or not, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how fast his uh, security team can drive. Uh, but joining me uh, here to uh, kind of run through some of the, the issues that we've dealt with today is a uh, very reliable uh, go-to man here at the Family Research Council. He's always in the shadows to jump on the program when we need to, uh, to discuss some issues. And uh, that is Travis Weber, who is the Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome, welcome back. Thank you, sir. I, I do want to talk about one of the policy issues that we were discussing on the last panel um, on the LIFE panel, we, we had Senator Graham on a few moments ago earlier in the program talking about the pain-capable bill uh, that would draw a line for nationwide on abortion when a baby feels pain, sucks its thumb. But I, I, I want to talk about something Chris Smith brought up. This is something that your team has been very involved in, and it's, it's really kind of in the policy weeds. And so I want you to, to explain it just a little bit, because it is significant uh, because we're seeing the Biden administration push in almost every policy, abortion, the LGBTQ uh, agenda, and climate. It's, it's their unholy trinity. Let's talk about PEPFAR. What is it, 
and what are they trying to do with it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is a program many people, it's a little bit, you know, what's that? I haven't really been, uh, you know, paying attention to it. It's something a little bit off the radar. But the reason we're paying attention to it now is it's been around for 20 years, and it's been reauthorized every five years, sending billions of American tax dollars out the door. Those tax dollars should not be going out the door to fund abortion and fund ideology that is coercively uh, being held over the heads of African countries. The United States is storing up uh, judgment for itself. And we are tarnishing our reputation in the eyes of the world. We're being accused of holding this up. In reality, the Biden administration is the one who's moved the ball, moved the goalposts, and they've done that in three ways. One, they've repealed the Mexico City policy that had been in place under Trump. That had prevented organizations promoting abortion, receiving this money. Now we have $1.34 billion of our money that have funded abortions under Biden, PEPFAR money, gone to these organizations. Biden's unilaterally announcing, reimagining PEPFAR, his vision for PEPFAR, which will include advancing sexual and reproductive health through a program that's supposed to help AIDS victims. This is, a sh- this is shameful. It's shameful that any program will be doing this. So what's up for reauthorization this year, we're going to say, as a Christian organization, needs to be honoring of God. It's not. And here's how we can fix it. It's actually pretty simple. You would tax, you expand Mexico City policy to the program. It's fixed. They don't want to do that, but that's the simple solution. So it's important that people understand that the Biden administration has unilaterally moved the goalposts on this by changing the terms and conditions through the executive branch. They can reverse that. It can go through. So if those conditions are put on there, the Mexico City type language, the money would go forward to address what the legislation or the statute actually says it's supposed to address. Right. AIDS. Right. It's, it, would, it would help solve the AIDS crisis in Africa, which it was intended to and it was created to do. But we're not the only ones that are raising concerns about this. Many of those countries that this money is going to, they're complaining about You it. had scores of African leaders writing letters to Congress saying, we do not want the United States pushing abortion and LGBT policies into these programs to our countries. So kind of explain how that works. So this money goes, and it often goes to non-governmental organizations, what are called NGOs. And so in the state of, uh, or in these African countries, they'll be giving, the U.S. government through PEPFAR funds would be giving money to organizations that would be agitating to change the laws in that country. In in some cases, yes, and then they'll subcontract with organizations that might more aggressively try to do that. But one argument we've heard is, well, we can't prove that the money is actually being used to perform abortion, like you're going to mark a a $20 bill with a red marker and track it all the way through the abortion. No, we're not saying we're, we're proving that's not the point. The point is when you fuel these organizations who say they promote abortion, you're fueling that whole agenda. You know, you know I had a, an old farmer one time told me, when you throw a rock into a pig pen, you can tell which one you hit when it squeals. I mean, that's pretty profound. <laughs> there was a demonstration this week on Capitol Hill in the Speaker's office that was protesting over the PEPFAR being not being reauthorized. What kind of groups were up yeah, there squealing? We're seeing a lot of squealing right now by abortion groups and those who want to push their own sexual agenda from the West onto African countries who, frankly, are holding on to Christian moral values in, in large part. Uh, yeah, so, Tony, that, that's an excellent point. When the, when you look at social media, the, some of the groups that are standing up and crying foul about this are pro-abortion groups. So why, why would they have an interest in, in what, what are they concerned about? Held up, They're concerned because they're not going to get their money to put in their coffers and then be more flush with cash to do their thing, which is promoting abortion, spreading that message, and by their own words, and these are PEPFAR recipients attempting to change, working to change laws in Africa on life. And the LGBTQ, those things are walking in lockstep with one another. Right, right. And this is the, you know, we just did a report tracking the, where the LGBT agenda, Family Research Council produced a, a report tracking where it's being pushed in foreign policy across the board. And it is, it is really outrageous when you really look at that in its breath. And, and you, you add this on top of the embassies flying, flying pride flags, the United States marching in these parades. The United States is really sending the signal, this is what we care about, not human rights as God defines them. And as we've traditionally fought for them, we're sending the signal that this is our priority, abortion, LGBT, and climate. 
this is dangerous. We're on a dangerous ground right now. Uh, Travis, talking about that, when, when we're now exporting this and we're kind of offensive to a large portion of the world that is still holding to values rooted in Judeo-Christian values, and then even in the Islamic world yeah. we're offending. When you heard Rabbi Jonathan Kahn this morning talking about the, the spiritual nature of this, do you see that playing out in policy? Absolutely. I mean, you know, many people who are involved in this may not say that, but the reality is that the West and the United States is now bowing down at the altar of certain gods that we are then forcing others to bow down to as well. If that wasn't the case, why is it so coercive? It's coercive because there's worship involved. And, um, you know, this is not only is this shameful for that reason, not only is it a departure from worship of the one God who deserves our worship, but it's disadvantageous. We're competing with China for influence, and we're telling African countries, you, you need to agree with us on this, and we're not going to help you. China's going in there happy to help. Right. We're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot in addition to promoting stuff that is polluting the minds yeah. and families of these countries. These are very poor countries. They're dependent upon. I've met with uh, ambassadors and, and, and others that have discussed how the U.S. is strong arming them because they're poor countries. They rely on this foreign funding from the United States, and these strings are being attached. They change their laws on on life, on marriage, and human sexuality, or they don't get the money. And so China, as you said is coming in flush with U.S. dollars from bu us buying all the trade imbalance, buying all the Chinese products, and they're doing their uh, belt, uh, their bo uh, uh, belt and Roads Initiative, going in and, and buying up property and, and working with these other governments. Yeah, I mean, so, so there's... Because they don't care about the values. They, they, they just... They're happy to go in. They're happy to go in. So we've got, you know, three or four reasons that even if someone is just looking at whether this is effective, you must say it is not effective. So then... If it's not effective, and that's rather obvious, why are we keeping on doing it? We're keeping on doing it because of the worship that is happening now. It's almost irrational. We're bound. We're bound to bowing down at these altars of abortion, LGBT sexual aberrations, and pushing them. And we're seeing it domestically, too, even with the Tower vote, the whole, whole situation, refusing to hold a vote because you do not want to give up a abortion policy you've been pushing, the Biden administration holding on to that because they—, they, they they're holding on to that so hard. They don't want to have the vote. I, I, you brought that up, so we need to explain that. Um, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who has is, is held up about 30 military promotions. They're not uh, – he's not – he's put a hold on them, which means there's no unanimous consent. So you have to vote on each one. You have – at the end of this month, you will have the term of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs will expire, and there will be a new one that needs to be voted on. The Senator Tuberville and other Republicans said, well, put him on the floor. We'll have a vote on that one. But Chuck Schumer, the scare leader in the Senate, says we're not going to have a vote because that would prove that we could actually solve this problem. And as as Travis said, they're more devoted to abortion and their unilateral change in policy in the military when it comes to abortion than they are actual military Readiness and and the irrational nature in which this is playing out really exposes that you know and, and Tony I think um, this is just something we need to continue to point out continue to explain um, and stand for righteousness out of conviction uh, you know interviews on the PEPFAR issue and just explaining as believers this is what we believe about these matters and this is why the position uh, we've taken is the case and, and Travis when you know we're here at the Pray Vote Stand Summit and we we talk about praying for our nation. We're talking about voting. This is the results of elections, and it's very clear. I mean, it is day and night, black and white, whatever analogy you want to use. In the previous administration, in the State Department, and I know this for fact because as the chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I worked very closely with Secretary Pompeo and the president. The number one foreign policy objective of the United States under President Trump was international religious freedom. Religious freedom doesn't even get a, a, a glimpse of attention. If you look under if, this administration, if, if you're in the seat of, of the representative of African government and the U.S. embassy is showing up, 
Do they think that we, are, we care about religious freedom? That's not the signal that's being sent. It's not the undercurrent. It's not the overt statement. This is our priority. So clearly, this is a, it's a major problem. And Tony, just to dealing with the administration, you know, just take the one example of the Mexico City policy. That policy, one policy among what President Trump did, that policy alone would be dealing with this PEPFAR issue, protecting billions of dollars, billions from going out the door either to help fund abortion or protect life. So why do you have some Republicans, Chris Smith alluded to this today, you have some Republicans that are saying, ah, let, let's just get it approved. Yeah, I, I think there's several things. One is, you know, some are saying we haven't yet wrapped our heads around this. Okay. But once you wrap your head around it, it's pretty clear. And, and the reason the ones who know what's going on, who I think don't want to move ahead, I believe they really desire to find a solution where there might not be a solution under these circumstances that can be found. We, we can't compromise when we can't control what the other party always wants to do. And if they don't want to accept the feasibility of the Mexico City policy and option, um, that, that's clear. So it's not a matter of not knowing the solution. It's a matter of not wanting to accept right. it. So I believe there's a willing, there's not the willingness to be, have a, a conviction to move ahead. It's this desire to really maintain a bipartisan consensus, which has been there, but might be crumbling. And we need to stand on conviction and not compromise to maintain yeah. the consensus. Right, right. We can't sacrifice truth for unity. Uh, we just got a couple minutes left, uh, Travis. We've got the government to shut down looming as we've got about nine legislative days to craft some kind of funding bill. What should folks be looking for in the next two weeks? Yeah, so I mean, we're going to continue to see the the, uh, the situation that we've been discussing, been alluding to in terms of the, the demands being placed on, on reigning in control of the budget. You know, Tony, in the midst of this discussion, though, is a lot of uh, the conservatives standing up for good pro-life policies, pro-religious liberty policies in the midst of the budget and say, let's get some provisions in that are going to protect life, protect religious liberty, protect family as well. So we're doing what we can to make sure those are elevated in the discussion. But in terms of the, the bigger picture, we're going to do our part, uh, but we have to wait and see. We need to pray. We need to vote. We need to stand. Right. Sounds like a good summit, doesn't it? It's a good summit. All right. <laughs> Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And, uh, and, folks, I want to thank you for joining us here, our live audience at the uh, Omni Shoreham Hotel here, where we are gathered for the Pray Vote Stand Summit 2023. In fact, you can tune in tonight. We've still got a lot more ahead tonight and then all day tomorrow and tomorrow night. So go to prayvotestand.org and you'll find out more information. Also, you can take the SageCon survey. Are you a SageCon? This is a gathering of SageCons. Maybe you should be here. Take the SageCon survey. Text the word SageCon to 67742. That's 67742, the word SageCon, S-A-G-E-C-O-N. You'll get a quick link. Fill it out, about 10 questions, and you'll get a response back very quickly and find out whether or not you're a SageCon. And then you can make your plans to join us next year, next year at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. All right, we're out of time, folks, but I do want to encourage you, check it out, prayvotestand.org. Tonight uh, we have uh, former President Donald Trump, we have Oz Guinness, we have Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, and we have Governor Ron DeSantis will be speaking. So tune in and join us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action, For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.